everybody, and welcome to the Eagle's Nest Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with Senior Pastor of Eagle's Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Come on, everyone, let's give God one more hand clap of praise. If you love the Lord, let's give him praise. He's worthy to be praised. Wow. Well, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas again. This is uh, the season of Advent. Uh, Advent uh, on the uh, Christian church calendar are four weeks where people all around the world who believe Jesus is Lord and he is the Messiah celebrate Advent, which means the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Uh, Last week, Elder Benny uh, opened us up with a message on hope because last week was the first weekend of Advent. Uh, Today I'll be talking about peace. Uh, Next week we'll be talking about joy. And then for our New Year's, uh, actually Christmas Eve service, which will be online, we will be talking about the love of God. So what I am hoping is that you will uh, demonstrate uh, these incredible Christian traits throughout this month and really throughout the year in your life. Uh, Hope, peace, joy, and love. What a great time of the year to live out those wonderful characteristics. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to jump right into the word today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you thanking you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Lord, we need you. We love you. You are the reason for the season. And so, Father, as we come here today, we pray that you will speak to us today through your word. Encourage us. Challenge us. Give us peace today especially in this crazy world that we live in. Lord, we thank you for who you are because you are our anchor. You are our everything. So now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Help me to bless your people today by presenting them with your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, last week, as I told you, Elder Benny started us off with a sermon on hope, and I'm going to be talking about peace today. Christmas time is the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know about you all, but I believe that is a true statement. Um, I love the Christmas songs that are sang. In fact, the Christmas songs have some of the most rich theology of all of music. I mean, because we sing about Christ and what he has done for us. Uh, I love the Christmas lights because it just brings a lot of uh, joy. I love the decorations, um, the Christmas trees. I love getting together with family and friends and going to Christmas parties. Uh, I love uh, 
shopping, even though I do that at the last minute. I don't know about you all, but now you can do a lot of your Christmas shopping online. So the Christmas season, I don't know about you, it is one of my favorite seasons of the year. But the part of Christmas that I like the most, if I'm really honest with you, is the giving and the receiving of gifts, Uh, especially the giving of gifts. I, I love to see the expressions on people's faces as they tear off their, uh, the wrappings on their gifts and as they open their gifts and they see what is inside. I can see why Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because when you give a gift, it just warms your heart to see people smile and to see them happy and appreciative. One Christmas, I gave a particular gift to a family member. Now, I knew this family member needed this particular gift because they had alluded to it months before. They did not know I was going to give them this gift, but I knew that they needed it. And so on Christmas Day, as I presented the gift, uh, they opened the box with anticipation and finally looked inside the box and they were so excited because it was the very thing that they needed. Well, six months later, you all, I went over this person's house and the gift that I bought for them was still in the box. I felt a certain kind of way. Y'all know what I mean? I mean, when you go through all of that trouble of getting somebody a gift and thinking through it and gift wrapping it and, and, and really trying to get a, a gift that they, that they need, and then they get the gift and they don't even use it. So I was greatly disappointed. Jesus left us a precious gift before he ascended to heaven. But many of us have this gift that Jesus has given us and we don't use it. Maybe we don't know how to use it. And that gift is the gift of peace. And so I want to speak to you today from the subject, the gift of peace. This precious gift that God has given us, but a lot of us don't use it. The gift of peace. I want you to look with me in the Gospel of John in the New Testament. One key verse will be our linchpin verse, and then we're going to read an incredible story. I call it the Christmas story, but, but I want to underscore this story uh, that we're going to read first with a profound verse found in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. John 14, 27. Let's look at it. And this is Jesus talking. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. What is that gift? Peace of mind and heart. Then he goes on to say, and the peace I give 
is a gift the world cannot give. Oh, that ought to get you excited right there. You know what? The world can't give you this kind of peace, and the world can't take it away. And then he said, so don't be troubled or afraid. You see, Jesus knew that the disciples were going to experience persecution. He knew that life was not going to be easy for them and for us. He knew that the world was crazy. So he left them a precious gift. And this gift was peace of mind and peace of heart. And in today's world, with all the things that are happening around the world, the conflict, the political landscape, I, I can, uh, you, you look at the economy in terms of interest rates going up and a lot of people who would normally at a certain stage of their life be able to buy a house and now they can't even do it because they can't afford it. I mean, I could go on and on. There are a lot of great things happening in the world, but there are a lot of cha uh, challenges and Jesus knew that, so he says, don't be troubled or afraid. And that is the word of the Lord to somebody today. Don't be troubled or afraid. Come on, let's give God praise for that. So I just want to spend a little time. I don't want to just go through this verse and move on too quickly because I want you to know that Jesus has given you peace. If you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, Savior, you have peace. You just might not have opened up the gift. You may not know how to use it. You may not know how to activate this peace. So let's talk about that. The peace that Christ gives is not like the peace that the world gives. So that's the first thing you have to understand. The peace that Christ gives is very different than the peace that the world tries to give you. That's why he says, and the peace that I give is the gift the world cannot give. The world often bases its peace on outward things, like how much money you have. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't feel good to have money, but I am saying that money won't give you the kind of peace that Jesus could give you. Because if that was the case, then all rich people would be happy. All wealthy people, all billionaires and millionaires would have peace. But I don't have to tell you that a lot of their lives are a wreck because they don't have this peace. So money, you all, won't bring you peace. It makes for a good down payment, <laughs> but it won't bring you peace. Status, material possessions, even favorable circumstances don't necessarily bring you peace. You see, peace that the world gives is often shallow unsatisfying, and how about this, temporal. That, that means it doesn't stay with you. And so the world can offer you peace, 
But you got to understand that it is not like the peace that Christ offers. And so a lot of us have been embracing the world's peace instead of Christ's peace. Well, let's talk about God's peace because it is different. When you are enjoying God's peace, you are secure. You are satisfied. You are full of joy. But how about this? Regardless of the circumstances. Uh Uh-oh. That's the difference between the world's peace and God's peace. You see, the world's peace is when you are full of joy, but things are popping. They're going good. But God's peace is the kind of peace that you enjoy when things are going good, and then you have peace when things are going bad. Okay, let me say it like this. Peace, you all, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting word. You don't really know if you have peace until you are surrounded and are experiencing difficult circumstances. Okay? Because everybody can have peace and say that they have peace when things are going well. So the test of your peace is not when things are popping, not when things are going well. You're supposed to have peace when things are going well. The test of whether or not you have peace is literally when all hell is breaking loose. Okay, let me give you some examples. When you thought you had job security and then you got laid off because the company was downsizing. When you have been married for 20 years and your spouse comes to you out of the blue and says, I want a divorce. Can you keep your peace? When your best friend for life smiles in your face, but all the time they want to take your place (laughs) to backstab us. (laughs) Okay, that's the OJs. That ain't the Bible, but but y'all know what I'm talking about. When somebody close to you does you wrong, do or can rather you maintain your peace. When the great physical health that you have enjoyed for decades, all of a sudden you go to the doctor and you get a negative diagnosis. Cancer, diabetes, something else. Does all your peace all of a sudden go away? If it just goes away just because you have bad news, then that means that you had the world's peace, not God's peace. Now, I'm not saying that we can't be disappointed. And I'm not saying that we don't battle discouragement as men and women of God. But peace is something that is deep down on the inside. That when all hell is breaking loose, there's something in your spirit that's telling you it's going to be all right. That God has your back. How about when the children you have raised, and you know you have raised them right, 
and they start wilding out, just acting crazy. Any of y'all ever had any of your kids to do something and you look at them and you say, is that my child? I think if you're a parent, all of us have had that to happen. And if you got little kids, I know you think they're angels right now, okay? But there's going to come a time where you're going to look at them and you're gonna, you, you might see some horns sticking up. Like, have you lost your mind? But do you have peace? How about, how about when that business you started with so much hope, you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you wanted to um, really prosper financially, and you did everything right, and the business didn't make it, and it wasn't your fault. Maybe the economy turned. Maybe something happened in that particular industry that crushed your dreams. Can you keep your peace? You see, a lot of us have the world's peace, which is based on resources, circumstances, instead of God's peace, which is based on his spirit being inside of us. So let me tell you something about God's peace. I, w- I want you to, to really um, embrace these two statements. Uh, uh, look at this. God's peace, this is a definition. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Matter of fact, when you serve Christ, guess what, y'all? You're going to have trouble. Somebody say trouble. Okay? You're going to be persecuted. Everything is not going to always work out. So peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. So in your trouble, you have the presence of God. Somebody ought to get excited about that. You can't avoid trouble. And some of us think that peace equals no trouble. But no, peace is when you can have trouble. But you also sense the presence of God in the trouble. Look at this other statement right here. Peace is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. Calm and tranquility of the soul deep inside, right in the midst or the middle of difficult circumstances. So my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is do you have God's peace? How did you react when something difficult hit you? How are you acting now if you are going through a difficulty? That's the peace test. Well, that's why the second half of that verse I read says, don't be troubled or afraid. So when you're going through something, you all, if you know Jesus, if you have a profound relationship with Christ, yes, you may be bothered. Yes, you can get discouraged, but don't be troubled. Don't be afraid because the Lord is with you. 
Well, I want to explore with the few minutes we have left how the Christmas story itself illustrates this concept of peace. There are many versions of the Christmas story found in the Gospels, and over the next few weeks, uh, I'll be unpacking some of those stories, and I'm not necessarily going to do it chronologically, but, but we're going to kind of visit some of these powerful stories about Christmas and relate it to our lives. So I want us to visit the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And I want to read a story, and I want you to put yourself in this passage. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And we're just going to pull out a few things for us to think about over the Christmas holidays. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through Five. Let's look at it. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, I believe here in the United States, about every 10 years, there is a census taken. Uh, censuses have been taken for generations, for thousands of years. Uh, one of the reasons that leaders of nations take censuses is because uh, when you know how many people you have, you can estimate uh, what the taxes might be, what the revenues might be. So it makes sense if you are leading a nation that every 5, 10, 15 years or so that you take a census. So what is amazing, and you're going to see this in a minute, is how God orchestrates things that seemingly have nothing to do with spiritual things. But God's hand is even orchestrating folks who, uh, who don't even know they're being used by God. So the Roman emperor Augustus decreed a census. I imagine him coming before his um, council, before his Congress, and saying, all right, we need to do a census in our empire. Then look at what it says. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Well, what does that mean? If you um, were living in Georgia and they wanted you to take the census to register, but you were uh, born, your ancestral town was in uh, Alabama. So you had to travel from Georgia where you were living to Alabama where you were born to register for the census. Y'all are with me now? So people, when they got news that this census was going to be taken, some of the people could stay right where they were. Uh, like me, I am a native Atlantan, a rare breed. I'm an ATLian, and I'm proud of it. But most of the people that I meet are from somewhere else because Atlanta has become a, a melting pot. 
And, and so uh, if you lived in the area, you didn't have to travel for the census, but many people had to travel. Let's look at the next verse. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, oh, now we're getting into some great theology here, but he was a descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So now Joseph, because he was a descendant of David, he had to go uh, back to Bethlehem to register for the census. That's not where he lived. That's not where Joseph and Mary lived, but they had to go to Bethlehem. This is going to make sense to you in a minute. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So that's where he lived, Nazareth in Galilee. But now he has to travel to Bethlehem. Y'all, God is at work right now. And he doesn't even know that he's, all of this is a part of God's plan. Look at the next verse. He took Mary with him, or he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So what are these verses saying? Just a couple of things I want to point out. God used a census decreed by the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. This shows that God can use anything and anybody to fulfill his plan. Okay? Okay, let me say it like this. Sometimes you and I, we don't know what's going on because we're looking at things with our natural eye or we are experiencing maybe the pain of a difficult situation. But what we don't understand is God is orchestrating things that we don't even know that are good for us. And so that's what he was doing. But maybe you all have never been in a situation where you didn't understand what God was doing. But I know I have. Matter of fact, this church would not be here today if I had not gone through a situation where God was orchestrating something in my life and I'm asking God, Lord, what are you doing? Have you forgotten about me? Well, all God was doing is shaking up my life so I could hear from him, so I could surrender to his call and his will in my life and start Eagle's Nest Church. But I didn't know that because my life seemingly felt like it was falling apart. My business was going bad. The economy was going down in 2008, 9, and 10. And I'm looking at my future and I'm wondering what's going on. And in my life, God was just moving the pieces, setting me up. I believe he's doing the same thing with some of you all. Amen to that. That's why you have to have peace. Because you don't know what God is doing. But he will work all things out for your good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You know, when I don't know how to cook very well, but, but, but Martika and I have invited some master chefs to our house to make some meals. And it's amazing watching a master chef. All the ingredients that they put 
in there. All the things that they do to the meat and all these spices and all these different things. But here's the deal. If you had some of those spices by themselves, they would taste very bitter. Very bitter. But when you put all of that in together and you spread it around on the meat and on the food, And then when you put the food in the oven and apply a little heat to it. And then hours later, you take it out and it is a masterpiece. But doesn't God do that in our lives sometime, y'all? If you look at one or two situations, you might get bitter. Because you don't understand what God is doing. God is adding a little adversity over here. A little backstabbing right there. A little situation that doesn't work out right there. And you're looking at it and you're saying, oh my God, this is terrible. God, what's going on? But what you don't know, he's going to take all those experiences and he's going to mix them in together. And he's going to just put it all in you and rub it on your life. And it's not going to feel real good to you. Okay, and then it even gets worse sometimes, y'all. He opens up the proverbial oven puts you in the oven, and then turns the temperature up to 400 degrees. So it's hot. But during this process, we got to believe God so much that we have peace, that he's working it out for our good. Because after he takes us out of the oven, oh, it tastes so good and it looks so good. Some of y'all are going through that right now. And I'm here to tell you, God has not forgotten about you. God is working it out for your good. Let's give God praise for that. He's working it out for your good. But also in these first five verses, you all, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. So this is not a haphazard or a random event. This is not Caesar Augustus just haphazardly doing that. What Caesar Augustus did know by taking the census and then by Joseph and Mary having to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem is they were fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy found in Micah 5.2. I'm not going to read it, but I want you to check it out. Micah 5.2. A thousand years before the birth of Christ, this was already prophesied. That's what makes the Bible so awesome, you all. Is, is the Bible, it, 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 it confirms itself. It's like it, it proves itself. These are not random events. Okay, let's look at verses 6 and 7. We explored verses 1 through 5. Now let's look at verses 6 and 7. It says, and while they were there, meaning Mary and Joseph, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And then it says, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Can you imagine men having a pregnant wife and you go, now here's the deal, let me use my sanctified imagination a little bit, okay? Can you imagine 
your wife being pregnant and you have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was a long way. Now, remember, Mary and Joseph didn't have a lot of money, okay? Matter of fact, they were poor. So, it's not like they could call a Mercedes-Benz car service, okay, a Mercedes-Benz camel service <laughs> to come pick them up, or a chariot, an Uber, a chariot. More than likely, they walked. Can you imagine, man, a pregnant woman walking miles and miles, and you're making her, come on, baby. Now, now it seems like, well, maybe, maybe some of y'all women would have said, no, I'm staying right here. You go to Bethlehem. But Mary knew that God was doing something. So she more than likely walked many miles while she was pregnant. But then it gets worse. Joseph gets there, and Joseph did what a lot of us men do. We don't plan. (laughs) Joseph, you knew that the census was coming. You knew you had to go to Bethlehem, and you didn't even make a hotel reservation. (laughs) So he goes to try to check in a cheap hotel, Motel 3. (laughs) Couldn't even afford Motel 6. And they said, we don't have any room. Then he goes to Motel 2, no room. Motel 1, and then, and, and Mary, by this time, I don't know about y'all's wives, but let me tell you what Martika Jenkins would have been doing. She would have been giving me that, that, that look, y'all, standing on one, having her weight to one side like that. Y'all know how they, when they bounce up and down and they put their hands on the hip? And then they look at you and they start talking and the neck start moving and the eyes get big. You are in trouble when that happens. Joseph was in trouble. So he said, I got to find a place. But there was no lodging available for them. Dude was in trouble. Well, he did find lodging in a manger, in a barn, in a very undescript place, in a place that nobody would want to stay in overnight, and in a place you certainly wouldn't want your pregnant wife to be in. But again, that was even prophesied in the Old Testament. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. What happened? That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Next verse. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Let's go on. They were terrified, but the angel of the Lord assured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Well, what is this great joy going to be to all people? Let's look and see. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, 
the city of David. Then he ends with this, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And then he goes on to say in the last two verses as we come to a close, verses 13 and 14, look at what happened. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying this, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. Peace in your life. Peace in your family. Peace in your finances. Peace in your health. Peace in your mind. Peace on your job. Peace in your relationship. I decree it right now in the name of Jesus. May you have peace. But here's the deal. You got to open it up. And, and, and you got to open up the gift of peace when you don't feel like it. When you don't want to have peace, it's the time you got to depend on God's peace. And you see, the enemy of peace is worry, is strife. And so, don't worry. <laughs> Bobby McFerrin said, don't worry. What did he say? Be happy. Come on, let's give God praise right now, you all. Amen. I want to end with this story. One day, a little girl, and you've probably heard me tell this story before if you've been hanging around Eagle's Nest. Um, she was on an airplane traveling by herself, and the plane began to take off, and the little girl was so excited, like children do they look out the window at the clouds and they're just soaking in every moment as the plane reached a very high altitude the pilot came over the speaker system the public address system and he said ladies and gentlemen we are about to experience a lot of turbulence and it's probably going to last quite a while so buckle your seatbelts because it's gonna get rough. Flight attendants, take your seats, take your trays, fold them up. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. And sure enough, that plane hit some turbulence and I don't know about you all, but man, when that happens to me, I'm crying out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that plane, y'all, it was shaking so much that luggage started to fall out of the compartments. People were screaming, Jesus. <clears throat> Even folks who weren't religious were calling on Jesus. The adults were frantic. But this little girl was having the time of her life. She was treating it like a roller coaster ride. When the plane would go down, she would say, Woo! And then the plane would go up, she would say, Ah! She was just enjoying it. And finally, this man who was sitting by her, he looked at her. He said, 
How can you be so joyful? Don't you know we might crash? She said, mister, you don't understand. The reason I'm joyful, the reason I'm not worried is because that voice you heard over that public address system, that pilot is my daddy, okay? And I know my daddy is gonna get me to my destination. So I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when things get bumpy, when things get rough, when things start to fall out in your life, when people are screaming, when people are worrying, when people are attacking you, you got to know, you got to rely on the voice of your daddy. And that is the word of God. You got to rely on his peace. You can't do what everybody else does. You can't worry about the things that everybody else worries about. You got to have peace. Somebody say peace. Come on, let's give God praise for his word. Amen. I would like for everyone to stand, please. Those of you online, I want you to listen up. Because many of us don't have peace. Because we haven't made a decision to put our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Would everybody please bow their heads and close their eyes. Father, we thank you for giving us the gift of peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart. We need to open it up. We need to use it. So Father, I pray, oh God, that the men and women under the sound of my voice, whatever they're going through, that they will not let the enemy and their circumstances steal their peace. Like you rebuked the winds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke those things that are trying to come against our peace. Those circumstances, those people, we rebuke them right now in the name of Jesus. So if you've never made a decision to serve Christ 100% and to give your life to him while all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to say a prayer. It's a short but a powerful prayer. And I want everybody to repeat after me. But some of you may be saying this prayer for the first time. And in a few moments, I want to know who you are if you do that. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Right now, Lord, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead. You said if I do that, Lord, if I believe that you are Lord, that you will come into my life and change me and make me a new person. So right now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, save me, change me, transform my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, Father, I thank you in advance for those who said that prayer and who meant it. 
if you said that prayer, I'm not going to ask you to come forward right now. But I do want you to, by show of hands, some of our elders are walking around and we will, we will connect with you immediately after the service. But if you said that prayer, could you just raise your hand right now? If you're online, you just, just wave us, give us a wave right now. If you said, Pastor Lee, I said that prayer and I meant it. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. If you're online, all you got to do is put it in the chat. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this moment and for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody. He's worthy to be praised. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we would love for you to come and worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles.